Streaming has gotten way too complicated, but you can hack the system with Prime Video. It has everything in one app with one password. See Roadhouse, Giannis, The Marvelous Journey, and the National Women's Soccer League, all included with Prime. Plus, you can buy Premier Boxing or stream the NHL and NBA playoffs on Max with the Bleacher Report Sports add-on or add Paramount Plus for the Masters on CBS. Prime Video. It's all your favorite content in one place. Restrictions apply. Prime membership required for add-on subscriptions. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details. With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. Feeling like you need a punch of energy? Enter wonderful pistachios. I love them. The snack that packs a protein punch, and the best part, they come in so many flavors and so many sizes. Whether you're on the go or chilling at home, wonderful pistachios, they're the go-to snack for me. Here's the real kicker, the protein. These little wonders are one of the highest protein nuts out there. Just one ounce serves up a whopping six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. So visit wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more. I love them. Thanks for listening to the Best of the Herd podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday on Fox Sports Radio at noon to 3 Eastern, 9 a.m. to noon Pacific. Find your local station for the Herd at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching Fox Sports Radio or FSR. This is the Best of the Herd with Colin Cowher on Fox Sports Radio. What is up, party people? It's me, Jason McIntyre, in for Colin Cowherd. He is fresh off a fun conversation with LeBron, uh, and now he is moving this weekend. I'm joined today by Alex Curry. Alex, back from the Pacific Northwest in the MLB All-Star Game. Yeah, what a blast that was. I mean, I think I forget because every time I go to Seattle, it's so beautiful. I've been really lucky where I haven't experienced, like, the gloom. It's been <laughs> sunny, bright. And it's just so fun seeing the best of the best all in one place and how excited they are. I think everyone, even the players, were most excited to all meet and see Shohei Otani. Yes. Every single one of them. And we'll be talking about Otani. Oh, yes, Big we will. game tonight. Big series this weekend to on start the, the second tonight. half. Uh, we'll do a lot of MLB. We'll do plenty of NBA. I'm a little concerned for the Warriors. But I do want to start with a uh, story I saw about one Kyler Murray and uh, the theme of accountability. So I have been historically a big Kyler Murray guy. Um, of course, he was injured last season, and now things are in flux. So Kyler was talking to the Arizona Cardinals website about accountability. And I think some of these quotes are a little troubling. Look at this. I'm going to listen. I'm going to be coachable, and I'm going to do it to the best of my ability. But if the bleep ain't working at some point, we all have to look in the mirror. It's a team sport. We have to be locked in. All right? You, you guys know, are familiar with the theme of accountability, right? Especially in the NFL. You're the quarterback, the most visible position on the field, probably in sports. He's also uh, just inked a lucrative contract, gave him $103 million guaranteed. Listen, it all begins and ends with Kyler Murray. And he's on a sinking ship right now, right? J.J. Watt bailed. Buda Baker's asked out. 
DeAndre Hopkins said, trade me, then they released him. Like, this is a franchise in flux, and Kyler Murray has to step up and be accountable. And I want to just give you a quick story about accountability. You guys know I used to run a website, and I'll never forget uh, an Easter weekend 2013. I was at my wife's family uh, for dinner, and we are eating Easter dinner, and there's an NCAA tournament game on, and a Louisville basketball player by the name of Kevin Ware suffered a pretty gnarly broken leg in the game. It was one of those, ooh, like you could see the bone protruding, very gruesome, gnarly. So I was running a website at the time. We had a staff of about 12 guys, full-time and part-time, and one of our guys instantly, hey, this is, this is big news, jumps on the post and puts it up. So about 30 minutes into our Easter dinner, I get a call from who I called the Bobs, the suits uh, at the company that owned our website. Hey, Jason, hey, hey, you guys have to take this post down. It is, it's just inappropriate. It's really gnarly. Uh, it just, it's kind of gross. You got to take it down. And I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Do you have any experience running uh, news, any background in reporting, journalism, anything? If it bleeds, it leads. You guys know that. Now, obviously, we put a big tag on the post. Hey, this is ba- bad. You may not want to see it. This guy broke his leg. But this story is going to lead today, tomorrow. This is going to be a big story. And our guy posted it, and it was getting monster traffic, which is kind of the game on the Internet. You got to get traffic. So this gentleman in the front office of the uh, USA Today that had owned us at the time said, listen, you've got to mention to the writer to take it down now. And I said, wait a minute, wait a minute. This is on me. Don't make it about the writer. I run the site. I told him to do the post. Well, you know, we're, we're going to keep it up. So, of course, he, get, he wants to get the lawyer involved. you got to take it down. The Internet's yelling at us. I was like, listen, it's fine. I'll take the arrows. I'll talk to the lawyer. I took full accountability, okay? Of course, a couple days later, I get called into a glass office, and they want to yell at me. But it's not about the writer who posted it. It's about me. That's what accountability is. And, you know, you look at these Kyler Murray quotes and you start to wonder, man, this guy's been in the league five years. He got his big contract. Does Kyler Murray understand accountability? I don't want to say, like, we all have to look in the mirror. Yes, football's a team sport. And, you know, the defense of Arizona is not good. It's going to be horrid this year. Special teams, not great either. They have the youngest coaching staff in the league. There's a lot of problems there. But this is about Kyler Murray and accountability. And... You know, historically, accountability hasn't been a big thing for Kyler Murray. I want to remind you guys of an interview he did with Dan Patrick before the NFL draft. Okay, Kyler Murray is a very pampered player. He's one of the most ballyhooed high school football players in Texas football history. And we know the rich history, Friday Night Lights, Texas football. He, he went 42-0, and won three state championships. And as he uh, goes to college, you know, he has some success uh, mild success at AM, then transfers to Oklahoma, sits behind Baker Mayfield, wins a Heisman Trophy, and he's going to the draft. Everybody says he's going to be number one. And I just want to give you a snapshot into Kyler Murray. Here is an interview he gave with Dan Patrick, kind of cringeworthy. Are you going to the combine? <laughs> I don't know. Well, wait, wait, Dad, is he going to the combine? <laughs> no comment. Dad had no comment there. Pro day? I mean, that's after the combine. Yeah, are you going to do a pro day? <laughs> yeah? <laughs> yeah. I guess, if you want to say yeah, I guess, yeah, well, yeah. Wait, are you going to spring training? I don't know. Wait, you don't know? <laughs> Dad, is he going to spring training? <laughs> Another no comment here. 
Oh, boy. That's that's tough to watch. That's difficult to stomach. And then, listen, I'm sure some people say, listen, uh, J-Mac, J ease up on this kid. He's a, he was a college kid going to the NFL. Guys, he kept looking to his dad for answers. Um, you know, I heard a story that Kyler Murray's mom was still doing his laundry in Arizona. This is while he's a quarterback of the Arizona Cardinals. Like, at some point, you've got to grow up and show accountability. I don't want to hear about the team. And we know, listen, Arizona has... They, they did very poorly on those NFLPA report cards. They ranked 31st. They got an F in uh, the weight room, F in the training facility. Like, it, it's not great. Things are not great there. But you know who can turn them around? Kyler Murray, by stepping up to the plate and accepting accountability. You, you put your name out there, Kyler. It, it's, it's a tough one, especially given how bad the roster is. And what adds to all of this is looming if Arizona gets the number one pick in the draft. They're probably moving on from Kyler Murray. So not only, Kyler, are you auditioning for your leading role in Arizona this season, where eventually you're going to come off the ACL injury and hopefully start a few games and maybe get some Ws, but you could be auditioning for the other owners who are looking for a quarterback. I don't think the market's going to be as robust for Kyler Murray as everybody thinks it is if they end up getting the number one pick and Caleb Williams. All right, I saw this. I want to move to the NBA real quick. You guys know I'm from New York. I'm a huge Carmelo Anthony fan, or at least I was when he was uh, starring with the Knicks briefly. Um, we're in a tough moment right now in basketball. And if you guys remember, I hosted a few weeks, maybe a month ago, Chris Broussard came on the show. And we were batting back and forth some problems with basketball in America. Because the NBA's thriving, obviously a great sport. Um, but we're seeing international players come over and win MVPs. Jokic just won the, uh, the, the NBA Finals, uh, NBA Finals MVP. Like, the international players are having a moment. And something's going on in American basketball. It's been happening for a while. We've heard Jay Billis and many kind of bemoan the AAU culture. Well, there's a player by the name of Will Barton who did play for the Nuggets. Um, and he gave a, a, a podcast interview on why Carmelo is one of his, wait for it, Top 15 players all time. Crazy handle, yeah, mid-range, yeah. shoot it, get to the rim. First step was quick. Like, if we going off just eye tests, yeah. it ain't 15 guys that I ever seen that nah. was better than him. And I say this all the time. It ain't 15 guys that I ever not. seen that was better than him. All right, this is going to be a tough one. Because, uh, so when I grew up, when I was growing up, I was in the Northern Virginia area and I was a big college basketball fan because my friends' parents like college hoops. So I liked Georgetown and Syracuse. They had a great rivalry. So I became a Syracuse fan too. And Carmelo Anthony goes to Syracuse one year, wins a title. I'm a huge Carmelo Anthony fan. Carmelo then goes to the NBA. I think he walked in the league and averaged like 21 as a rookie. Just an awesome talent. Talent. Okay. And then he would get to the playoffs. And every year, it was the same deal. Bounced in the first round. And folks, this is kind of crazy. I had to double-check the numbers. Carmelo Anthony got out of the first round of the playoffs twice in his entire career. And, and if you're looking for the symmetry, one time in Denver, one time in New York. Interesting. Got out of the first round twice. And Will Barton, who, by the way, is from Baltimore. And, you know, Carmelo Anthony's family largely grew up in Baltimore. I think he was born in Brooklyn. But I'm sure Will Barton watched some Carmelo Anthony growing up and, like, everybody was rooting for him. But this idea that he's a top 15 player all time just doesn't jive with anything, anything that you've seen on the court. There is literally no evidence that could back up Carmelo Anthony being a top 15 player all time. And I think it comes down to this. 
the young American basketball players now, and we've touched on this on the show before, they're in this like highlight culture where, man, can you take him off the dribble? How's your handle? How's your crossover? Can you do an elite layup finish the way Kyrie Irving does? And the players seem very wrapped up in this because Carmelo Anthony was brilliant at all that. One-on-one, he could cook anybody. Great shooter, awesome score, lethal score. But was he a winning basketball player? And I would challenge Will Barton. Will, there's no evidence Carmelo Anthony ever raised the level of any of his teammates in the NBA. Ever. It just didn't happen. He's an offensive player, which is great. You need offense to win in this league. And I saw Kevin Durant chime in on this. I should probably stay away from KD since anytime I talk about him, he gets very angry and yells at me and calls me mean names. That being said, Carmelo Anthony wasn't even in the level of KD. And KD played defense. And my problem right now with largely this American basketball culture is AAU basketball is hurting badly. My son played uh, for a year, and it would be like you go to a tournament, you play two games one day, two games the next, and it's like, does winning? I mean, obviously you want to win games and you want to win trophies. But the idea is, are you getting your stats? Are you playing well? Are you putting up buckets? Are you getting noticed by coaches? And it seemed more of a me culture than a we culture. And there's something about the international players. When Jokic makes everyone around him better, Luka Doncic is a triple-double king. I know people will say, well, Jason, Russell Westbrook, triple-double king. You got to put him in that. No, 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 no. (laughs) Russell Westbrook is the reason Kevin Durant left OKC, guys. This me culture, Westbrook had it. He wanted all the shots. Carmelo Anthony had it. Now, Melo, for sure, is a Hall of Famer. No denying that. He's a top 50 player all time. I know you made the top 75 list. But this idea that he's a top 15 player when he's not known for his defense, he, on the, on the boards, he would love to yell out obscenities when he would grab rebounds. There's a funny video of like three minutes of Carmelo cursing as he grabs rebounds. Like, that's what I'll remember for him and the Syracuse title. Not never getting out of the first round except twice when you needed a, a, a great point guard to lead the way in Chauncey Billups and Jason Kidd in New York. Like Chauncey Billups with the Nuggets. Like, Carmelo, I just wish, uh, we even saw it recently, right? Um, Brandon Miller, the young kid coming to the NBA draft, was asked, like, who's his goat? He, He said Paul George. And I get it. You know, obviously, maybe he liked Paul George and loved his game and modeled his game after him. But what happened to admiring the winners, the guys who won titles, who elevated the play of others? Magic Johnson, LeBron James. Steph Curry, why don't we love those guys? Guys who actually win as opposed to just get buckets. I don't know. It it just disappointed me as a Carmelo fan and as a basketball fan who likes winning players. I never thought of Carmelo as one. Be sure to catch live editions of The Herd weekdays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio, FS1, and the iHeartRadio app. I need to ask Alex Curry, who knows a lot about music. Uh Uh-oh. A question. Okay. So, are you familiar with the song "Mama Don't Let Your Babies Grow Up to Be Cowboys"? No. Okay. What so is it? It, it was, was just a song from the seventies. So Waylon oh, okay. Jennings did a version of it. Twenty-four million views on YouTube. Okay. Okay. Uh, Mama, don't let your baby grow up to be cowboys. Somebody needs to do a new version. Yeah. Mama, don't let your babies grow up to be running backs. Because right now, <laughs> running backs are like. Oh, on the verge of extinction, they're trending Alex. down. Yes, yeah, they're, not, they're not trending up. Yes. So Saquon Barkley 
Uh, we know he's got issues with the Giants. Well, Josh Jacobs of the Raiders recently gave an interview to a TV reporter in Vegas, and he said he ain't showing up for work on Monday. He's not showing up for training camp until he's got a new deal. I looked this up. Josh Jacobs is 25 years old. Saquon Barkley's 26. Right now, running backs in the NFL, they're in trouble. And I tried, you know, in the morning meeting with the team, I'm like, God, how do we come up with saving running backs? Like, you know, people want to save uh, the Orcas. I want to save running backs. I want to, I mean, I remember Todd Gurley. Do you guys remember how incredibly nasty Todd Gurley was? It's like an MVP candidate. He's out of the league now. He's like 28 years old. It's just, we're, we're going through, I know this stuff is cyclical and people will say, oh, they'll be fine. They'll come back. But it just looks very bleak right now. Essentially, running backs are use them and dump them. And that's how these guys feel. Uh, one, one guy on our staff found an amazing stat right now. You'll never guess who the highest paid running back in the league is next year. It's a guy that doesn't have one NFL touch, B. John Robinson, who went 10th in the, or no, sorry, 8th in the draft, I believe, to the Atlanta Falcons. B. John Robinson, no touches in the NFL, and he's going to make more money than any running back in the league next year. Saquon Barkley's angry. He wants to get paid. Josh Jacobs is angry. He wants to get paid. These guys are two of the top five running backs in the league. The only answer we could come up with um, and it, you know, cause I love to make everything all about me. I'm very, uh, you know, selfish. Um, when I got to Fox, you know, I was doing a TV show here. Um, and then, you know, that TV show kind of petered out and I'm doing other stuff. And they were like, well, Jason, um, you know, you, you have a writing background. You want to write some stuff for foxsports.com? I was like, hell yeah, let's do that. And then uh, I pitched them a podcast on gambling. This is like 2017. Sure, let's do it. Uh, and then I'm doing the TV. And then I had a, a radio gig. Essentially, the old media job was, hey, I want to get to the Washington Post. I want to be a writer. That's going to be awesome. That was like the job. Now, if you're getting into media, and it's not something I recommend, don't tell my kids, stay far away from this field. You got to come in. Can you podcast? How's your social media? Can, can you do social? Can you do videos? Can you, is radio an option? Can you write? Like, you've got to be a five-tool player if you want to get into sports media. And if you look at the running back position right now, the Kansas City Chiefs, I, I've said this like 25 times since they won the Super Bowl. They picked a rookie in the seventh round, and he started in the Super Bowl for them. And he's pretty damn good. Pacheco, I think I said his name right. Um, but, like, that's where we are with running backs. It's like, hey, man, if your quarterback's on the rookie deal, we'll gladly pay. Well, you know, uh, Raiders just signed Jimmy Garoppolo and the Giants. Uh, they just paid, overpaid Daniel Jones. So we were chewing up too much of the cap there at quarterback, can't pay. 49ers, quarterback on the rookie deal. Come on down, Christian McCaffrey. Yes, we will gladly accept you. And oh, by the way, McCaffrey is an incredible catch and go guy. Uh, you throw him screen passes. He can line up in the slot. McCaffrey can line up outside. McCaffrey can do everything. Right? Bijan Robinson, they're viewing him in the same mold. Uh, we're going to have Tony Algier uh, at running back, the fifth round pick they had last year, who was lights out and awesome. And you know, we're going to line up Bijan Robinson in the slot, and let's see you put a linebacker on him. And he's going to cook that linebacker. We'll put Bijan Robinson out wide. You can do things with these running backs who are multifaceted. Can you block? Can you uh, catch passes? Can you run the football? You need to do all three. And that's why I kind of joked, Mamba, don't let your babies grow up to be running backs. Like, if you're just the hand the ball to them and grind out three, four yards, I don't think any position in the league takes as much punishment. You could argue offensive line because they're in the trenches banging helmets every time. But running backs take a pounding. And, 
you know, you know who takes less of a pounding? Running backs who move to the outside and can catch passes. So I'm a little concerned for Jacobs. By the way, if you want to go uh, deep, and I haven't done every team in the league yet, but you start reading some of these numbers on the Raiders, and um, it, it, it does not look good. And if you now factor Josh Jacobs out, I, I imagine they'll figure something out, but it's probably not going to be palatable for him. And there is the nuclear scenario where he just decides, yo, I'm out. I'm going to sit this season out. I, I don't want it. Um, the Raiders are going to be very bad down there in that Tampa Bay, Arizona Cardinals. They're going to be a nightmare. Um, and without Josh Jacobs, it's going to be very ugly. Giants without, Sa- without Saquon, we're looking at like five or six wins. So we can say running back, don't want to pay him, but then you remove them from your team, and neither of those teams has much going on. Be sure to catch live editions of The Herd weekdays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret, like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Hi, it's the Herd. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. It's easy, 90 seconds. Use the code HERD, H-E-R-D. That's code HERD for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings, the crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance see dkng.co slash vball for eligibility and deposit restrictions terms and responsible gaming resources this episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise set several generations after the last installment in which apes are the dominant species As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike and embark on a journey that will redefine the planet. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX, now playing and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. Those of you who followed me for a while know that I am a tried-and-true Steph Curry guy. Fun little story. So I loved Curry at Davidson, was a big fan, was writing about it on the website, tweeting, all this nonsense. And so he gets to the NBA, and he's, you know, out of the gate, he's good but not amazing. And then he has some ankle injuries. So I kind of knew somebody in his circle, and I was like, hey, can I get Steph Curry on my podcast? I'm starting a podcast. This was like 2013-ish. Maybe 2014, 2012, right around that time. And he says, yeah, sure. And I was like, oh, great. So I started a podcast way back. Steph Curry was the first guest I had. It was amazing. It was right before he signed what ended up being like the greatest contract ever because it was like underpaid uh, and it enabled them to like load up the roster in Golden State then went on their dynastic run. Even Alex Curry would admit that was a dynasty. Okay, so the dynasty's crumbling very quickly. And... There are actually some parallels to what the hell happened in New England with the Patriots. So just hear me out. Um, 
it doesn't start with Chris Paul, his behavior and antics, but there's a report now um, that Chris Paul is trying to, uh, he's holding out hope that he gets in the starting lineup alongside, get this, Steph Curry and Clay Thompson. No mention of who's going to the bench, but Chris Paul, according to this report from Sam Amick, that Chris Paul wants to be a starter next season alongside Curry and Clay. I, I told you guys this was going to be a friggin' disaster, and I'm very upset about this. I- I- I'm a huge Curry fan. I have rooted for the Warriors heavily, and I'm just saying right now, this has disaster written all over it, okay? First, just a quick number, because, you know, I'm a numbers guy. The best starting five in the NBA last season, according to net rating, was the Golden State Warriors. Steph, Clay, Wiggins, Draymond, Looney. That was the best starting five in the league. Chris Paul, 38, now wants to come in and say, ah, well, who cares if they were the best statistically? I can get up in there. Like, really? So this is going to be a thing. Now, remember, if you're like, Jason, this is just a report. No, 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 no. Here's video of Chris Paul last week talking about getting in the starting lineup. What do you think of, of their depth, their their bench players that you might be playing alongside? Uh, you coaching? <laughs> oh, okay, well, I don't know what is what the situation is going to be yet. You know what I mean? So I think that'll be for us to, to figure out once we get going. You've never come off the bench in your entire career. Is that something that you'd be willing to do? Um, like I said, it'll be a conversation for us when camp starts or whatnot. But me and Steve have talked or whatnot, but I, you know, that ain't something that you'd be like, what up, man? Where are you starting? You coming off the, you know what I mean? So I think we'll figure all that stuff out in camp. Oh, dear. It just doesn't, all signs are pointing to trouble ahead. Like, um, I, I just have major concerns. So I mentioned Dynasty, and, you know, Alex and I were talking about Dynasties earlier. So the Dynasty was rolling. Kevin Durant leaves. And, you know, how do we quickly recoup? Well, it just so happened that they had some injuries, so they were drafting super high. Uh, Bob Myers, the architect of some of the dynasty, not all of it, by the way, uh, was drafting high and, and made some poor decisions. James Wiseman was an abject failure. He did not fit, A, their timeline, B, their offense. It was Now, listen, some people will give him a pass and say, listen, it was COVID, the scouting was wonky. Okay, well... James Wiseman is now gone. Shipped him out of town already before his rookie deal was even over. Moses Moody were still TBD. I like some things I saw last year. I loved him at Arkansas. I think he can still be an integral part. Jonathan Kaminga, I like him. I like what I've seen, but he doesn't look to fit this team. Again, um, like the Warriors have some pieces still in place, but none of the pieces they've drafted to extend the dynasty have worked. So then you're like, okay, well, what about free agency? Well, they did draft Jordan Poole. And again, I like Jordan Poole. Cowherd makes fun of me for liking Jordan Poole. He helped them win. They don't win a title in 22 without him. They don't. But where they messed up badly was not seeing Jordan Poole talking trash in the locker room. Apparently, reports Jordan Poole irking Curry. Clearly Draymond. And then they give him, give him the money, and then he starts talking more, and then Draymond sucker punches him, and then it's game over. So now Poole's gone. So essentially, you have a dynasty. You're trying to elongate the dynasty. The Patriots tried this with, with Brady. It has failed spectacularly. Bill Belichick can only whiff on so many drafts. Bill Belichick can only overpay so many free agents. Listen, it's tough. It is extremely difficult. Leagues structure their salary caps to prevent dynasties. It's funny. I, I've made this joke on my podcast. 
A lot of these owners, uh, 99% of them, love capitalism. They've become incredibly wealthy. They're multimillionaires and billionaires. Then they get to the NBA and they want socialism. They want everybody to split up the profits. And all of a sudden, you see the Warriors and they're like, ooh, we got to pay that luxury tax? Jeez, I don't, I don't know about that. And now they're making bad roster moves. And it's just mistake after mistake after mistake. And this Chris Paul thing, I'm just telling you guys, this is a guy who has never come off the bench in his entire career, not once in the NBA. He is extremely proud, as well he should be. He's a very good point guard. He has been, can I say irascible? I don't, I don't know if I can use that word here, but he's feuded with openly with DeAndre Ayton, Blake Griffin, and, you know, Colin loves to push back. Well, what have those guys ever done? Fine, fine, fair enough. But I'm just saying, like, where's the history of Steph Curry arguing with teammates, you know? Like, Chris Paul has got into it with teammates. I don't know who it's going to be this this time around. And, and Golden State's trying to, you know, dress this up as, oh, we got a veteran, and, and he's going to stabilize the second unit, whatever that means. I mean, Jordan Poole did that two years ago. Last year, he couldn't do that. And now you're asking a 38-year-old guy who's never been part of a second unit who's pushing back on reporters, and now he's going to go to the second unit? Listen, I'm, I, uh, listen I, I'm a big Warriors fan. You guys know this. I don't like this at all. It, it's going to be very tough for me to root for that team with this Chris Paul situation brewing. I, I, I don't like any of it. Hey, it's Ben, host of The Fifth Hour with Ben Maller. It would mean a lot to have you join us on our weekly auditory journey. You're asking, what in God's name is The Fifth Hour? I'll tell you, it's a spinoff of the Ben Maller Show, a cult hit overnights on FSR. Why should you listen? Picture, if you will, a world where we chat with captains of industry in media, sports, and more every week. Explore some amazing facts about human nature and more. Listen to the Fifth Hour with Ben Maller on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. DK Metcalf has been on the show. He is a great receiver, Seattle Seahawks, uh, very exuberant receiver. His speed, his size combination makes him nasty. So he was recently asked for his top five receivers in NFL history. And a couple are layups. Like, if you don't have Jerry Rice up there, you know, you got some problems. Obviously, he has Jerry Rice fourth. Okay. Randy Moss, love Randy Moss. He has him too. Terrell Owens, three. Terrell Owens, for me, is top three for sure. Julio Jones, love that call at five. But having Antonio Brown, number one, I believe completely discredits the list. Now, there's a lot of ways I can go here. Let's let's start with the positive. Antonio Brown, at the height of his powers, he had about a four-year window. He was absurdly good. Unstoppable. Him and Ben Roethlisberger were vibing. The numbers were ridiculous for about four years. However... The off-field stuff has to matter. And I know people will say, Jason, you've got to separate the art from the artist. And you just got to focus on the on-field stuff with Antonio Brown. On the field, he was unbelievable. Yes, on the field, he was unbelievable. Fact. Also unbelievable. He's quit on multiple teams. Look at this. In Pittsburgh, quit on the team, throwing stuff on the field. and Just a disaster at the end. Mike Tomlin, who puts up a lot of crap Refused to take any more from Antonio Brown. Then Antonio Brown goes to the Raiders, uh, claims he's got frozen feet, gets the hell heck out of Dodge. Then the, the, the really incredible one for Antonio Brown. So he's a washout at this point. Nobody wants to touch him. He's radioactive. Tom Brady goes to Tampa and says, yo, I could control Antonio Brown. He's really, really good. Let's bring him in here. 
And Bruce Arians pushed back a lot. If you go back to that year and read about it, it was like Bruce Arians is like, nope, we don't need any more help. Nope, we don't need anybody else. And Tom Brady wins out. You know why? Because he basically said he'll be the babysitter for Antonio Brown. I'm not even kidding. He will live in my house. Tom Brady had Antonio Brown live in his house. They go on to win the Super Bowl. As soon as things go south, what happens after that? Antonio Brown in the end zone, quitting on his team, middle of the game, takes off his jersey, signaling to the fans. That video's real. Folks, I remember, you know, every Sunday I'm watching football all day. I'll never forget. Antonio Brown gets in an Uber in like the third quarter and is leaving the stadium while his team's on the field. Just stuff you don't ever see. Under no circumstances can I have Antonio Brown in my top five. I'm sorry. I cannot. This, this stuff, what happened in Pittsburgh and the Raiders, and especially at the end in Tampa, I can't have him top five. Now, his story is an interesting one. I was reading about it last night, prepping for the show, and it's like he was an unbelievable high school quarterback, didn't have the grades, went to prep school. His first college trip, he gets to FIU. Opening weekend, he gets in a fight with a security guard and kicked out of school. Like, the guy's got some problems. But when he's, uh, you know, under lock and key and at Central Michigan, he put up big numbers. And the NFL is a good player. But for me, I can't have him top five. So here's my top five wide receivers. We'll go five to one. Are you ready for this? Here we go. Number five, I got Julio Jones. He really needs no introduction. An unbelievable talent with the Falcons. The only knock is he only had one season with double-digit touchdowns. But a lot of numbers historically stack up with the greats. Julio Jones, number five. Number four, Megatron. Calvin Johnson. Folks, 6'5", 237, and faster in the 40 than Justin Jefferson. Did retire early at the age of 30 which some people will say, oh, he doesn't have the numbers. He's in the Hall of Fame. Calvin Johnson in my top five, faux show. Number three, Terrell Owens. I I don't think there's an argument. Now, he had some issues uh, with teammates in a couple stops, but nothing even close to the Antonio Brown realm. Terrell Owens ranks third all-time in receiving yards and receiving touchdowns. Did have some good quarterbacks to catch passes from. Terrell Owens, for me, has to be number three. I don't think he can crack two. Two would be, for me, Randy Moss. For my money... The most, the best game-breaking receiver I've ever seen. He, there's just the speed, the size. Folks, we'll have Eric Mangini on in a second. That season where Moss was with Brady, he caught 23 touchdowns, an NFL record. Essentially, Randy Moss was unstoppable. The only person to stop Randy Moss was Randy Moss. He kind of got sick in Minnesota. I was like, eh, no Antonio Brown stuff, but ended up leaving. And then uh, Moss was like not trying in with the Raiders because. That franchise is garbage, and he was just checked out. But then he rebounds with Brady. Moss, the only thing that holds him out from being number one is some of those exits. But number one, I don't think Moss could ultimately catch Jerry Rice, the greatest receiver in NFL history. Folks, this is crazy. At age 40, he had a 1,200-yard season. His numbers will never be touched. Uh, He holds the NFL record. Are you ready for this? I'm going to read this final stat. Holds the NFL records in receptions, receiving yards, receiving touchdowns. Holds the NFL postseason record for receptions, receiving yards, receiving touchdowns. Like, Jerry Rice is the GOAT. There's no doubt about it. Be sure to catch live editions of The Herd weekdays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio, FS1, and the iHeartRadio app. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. 
With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Hi, it's the Herd. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Teams are knocking on the door of the conference finals, and DraftKings Sportsbook has you covered every step of the way with same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. Don't miss out. As the NBA postseason winds down, it's fantastic. Super easy to get started with DraftKings. If you're a first-timer, really easy. Try betting on something like a team to win. Go to DraftKings Sportsbook's app, select your team, and place your first bet. It's that simple, really. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. It's easy, 90 seconds. Use the code HERD, H-E-R-D. That's code HERD for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings, the crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369. In Connecticut, Help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise set several generations after the last installment in which apes are the dominant species. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike and embark on a journey that will redefine the planet. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX, now playing and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. Let's bring in Eric Mangini, uh, the former New York Jets coach. Uh, Eric Mangini, how are you, buddy? Fox NFL analyst. I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I, I see you got your, your list rolling along today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got to gotta hammer out a list there, Eric. Um, let me ask you, you've played with some great receivers. Off the top of your head, is there a great receiver that you played with that ever that jumped out at you, maybe unheralded or, or on the list? Well, look, I, on the list, all those guys are incredible. I remember playing Terrell Owens in the Super Bowl, and he wasn't supposed to play. And it was it was shocking that he was able to, to find a way to play, and it had to be through incredible pain. We doubled him during the game, and we still couldn't shut him down. And that 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 performance alone was, was such a, a standout performance. We played Jerry Rice a little bit later in, in his career, and he was still incredibly effective. And you got to admire his work ethic and, and the, the level of preparation that, that he put into his craft and the way that he'd go to work every day and feel like he, today was going to be the day he got cut. As great as he was, that's the mindset that he went into. Calvin Johnson was was just ridiculous to deal with. You double-team him. You have, you have different types of double-teams on him, and he could still find a, a way to get open. And I think the problem with, with any list is – there's there's the rule changes that I think have helped a lot of receivers in recent years. They're not dealing with the same type of jams at the line of scrimmage that, that the receivers from, from previous generations have dealt with. They don't deal with the same type of hits from the safeties. There's a lot more protection. So you got to take into account a, a little bit of, of that. I mean, Chris Carter is a guy who had double-digit touchdowns for, what, mm. six seasons? 
He helped train Randy Moss, uh, Marvin Harrison. There, there's so many great, great receivers that whenever you make a list like that, it's it's you're going to leave out you know some guys that you could argue for strongly in in any one of those spots. Certainly. Uh, before we get to the Jets on Hard Knocks, I opened the show talking about Kyler Murray. He gave some quotes saying that uh, you know he's going to be coachable, but. We At some point, we all have to look in the mirror. We all have to be locked in. Uh, Eric, given what he makes and that he's the quarterback of pretty much a sinking ship, I just didn't love the the accountability where he's kind of deflecting some of it. This is a guy who had a homework clause put in his contract because he famously was not like looking at the playbook during the week. He just wasn't locked in. Um, I don't want to say Arizona has a problem, but I just wonder. You've coached a lot of quarterbacks. Um I don't know. Did, did you like what Murray said? Did you not have an issue with it? No, I, I didn't like it. I didn't like it at all. He talked about going into last season and there being a lot of negativity and a lot of problems. The guy signed a, a contract for what, $230 million? <laughs> so if that's your definition of negativity, God, I would love to go into a season that negative with a $230 million contract. And I think what he's talking about is exactly what, what came out, which was the clause that they felt compelled to put in about his level of preparation. They not only had to put the clause in, but then they had to put addendums into the clause, like you had to watch tape, but you had to be paying attention to the tape. That, to me, is is incredibly problematic. And, and you know, when you, when you deflect blame as opposed to step up and, and take accountability, when you're the face of the franchise, when you're being compensated the way that he's being compensated... It's it's problematic. It, it is it is a really difficult thing for the rest of the group to to look at and say we want to rally around him. Yeah. Now Jonathan Gannon is their new coach. I, I believe they have the youngest coaching staff in the league. Um, would you have any advice for Gannon on how to deal with an uh, egomaniac of a quarterback? Well, I think they went to didn't they just go to his Hall of Fame induction, his college Hall of Fame induction? So they're. they're things like that where they're trying to build a relationship and and look players change over time the way you relate to play to players changes over time and, and I get that and and it seems like they're doing everything they can to make sure that they have as positive a relationship as 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 can be that that being said you also have to have accountability and you've got to have the ability of, of not just a friendship and a relationship but the ability to coach a player hard and to demand certain things from them that they may not, they may not even know that they they need to do. And and it's a fine line of of having a friendship, mm-hmm. and then also having a coaching relationship where you can make and have the hard discussions with guys that uh, they need. Yeah, uh, it it just seems very bleak there uh, in Arizona. I want to quickly pivot to comments Josh Jacobs made about how he's not reporting to training camp until he gets a new deal. That comes on the heels of Saquon Barkley. Uh, having some issues with the Giants. And listen, I get it. You, you don't want to pay a running back. But if you remove both these guys from these teams, they're, they're, we're talking about like four, five, six win teams. Um, they're that integral. What could we do for running backs at this point? Like they just seem endangered species. Uh, maybe it is cyclical, Eric, but it just does. I, I don't have a good feeling about what's the future holds for Jacobs or Barkley. Yeah, well, $13 million isn't, isn't a horrible <laughs> number. It, it's not like like you're, you're necessarily feeling sad for someone who's being paid $13 million a year. So, so I don't know if we have to do anything for running backs. And unfortunately, 
the league is 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 an open marketplace, and you're going to pay what the market dictates that you have to pay. And their only leverage that these guys have is their services. So if if he's really willing to take a stand and and to sit out, then then that's the that's the leverage that he has, and that can be that can be difficult. We we've seen it with, with Le'Veon Bell where he sat mm-hmm. out and it didn't really work out very well for him. So the the precedent isn't positive for guys who, who sit out and, and it's difficult, but that's the only leverage he has right now. Mm. All right. Uh, we can wrap up with my New York jets, uh, your New York jets going on hard knocks. I wish I could uh, repeat what you said when I asked, Hey, were you ever on hard knocks in your time during the commercial break? But uh, I, said, uh, <laughs> I said, no, thank God. Yeah. Well, why, why do you say it like that? I, it's it's fun to watch, and and they had the right Jets head coach with with Rex on it, and and I think that this will be a great TV with with Aaron Rodgers with all the expectations with it being in New York. There, there's there's a ton of great storylines there, but it is also difficult to operate as business as usual. And there's a lot of private conversations, and there's a lot of of coaching that you want to do with guys and, and things that you want to discuss with guys that you don't necessarily want broadcast to the entire country. And, and it can make people be more reserved. It can make some people show out a little bit more than, than they would naturally or, or do things that they wouldn't naturally do. Uh, so it's, it's, it's a difficult thing, I would imagine, to have cameras in your face every single day, all day, an environment where you're trying to get a ton of work done and get ready for the start of the season. Yeah, that doesn't seem optimal when, especially when you think. Uh, would you say Usala is, uh, I don't know, coaching for his job, a hot seat, whatever you want to say? But you know, they got Rogers. If they don't make the playoffs, it's probably safe to say that him and the GM are going to get dusted, right? It's it's going to be hard. Hard. I, I had had two winning seasons in New York, uh, and we got when we got Brett Favre and, and we had a, a lapse down the, the home stretch when he got hurt and, and was, I was let go, you know, Robert hasn't had the, the winning season yet. So there are a ton of expectations. There's a hundred million dollars that have gone in this decision to, to go get Aaron Rodgers. This is a team that was in a lot of close games. They've got a lot of young talent and I would, I would imagine that ownership is thinking, okay, what's the missing piece? The missing piece is, a Hall of Fame quarterback, and and they've got one of those, and and he's only a year removed from back-to-back MVPs. So high expectations is not unreasonable, and and it's a hot seat, but it's not a hot seat because you have a bad team. It's a hot seat because you've got a great opportunity to be incredibly successful this season. Yeah, can, if you could real quick go back to your mindset when you guys break, you had two winning seasons. Then Woody brings on Favre. I don't remember if you had signed off on it or you were keen on it or not. But um, just re- remind me what that was like going into like training camp in July. Did you feel added pressure? Like what was that? What was the vibe there? Yeah, well, we had the one winning season initially, and then we we dropped off. And so the last season when I was let go, we were nine and seven. But going into the, the Favre decision, it wasn't something that that I was behind because I felt like we were building something and, and there were steps that, that were going into each part of that building process and we were making a ton of progress. So to insert someone like Brett Favre, which is a giant personality, very different offensive scheme than we had been running, a lot of things were being disrupted. So, so I wasn't initially for it, 
I eventually got behind it and 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 went all in. Um, but it's it's a it's a different scenario. We got them late. We got them during training camp. Mm. We got them during actually the preseason games. We were in Cleveland playing a preseason game. They they got them in in the off season. They have an offensive coordinator that he worked with mm. or he has worked with. We had a totally different offense and had to adjust to him. So so they're they're actually better positioned, I believe, than than we were when we got uh, Brett because of the amount of time they've had with him and the familiarity that the the group of coaches have has with him. All right, Fox Sports NFL analyst Eric Mangini. I'd love to read a uh, profile of what that was like, Eric. I mean, you've talked about it to me behind the scenes. I I think the audience would love to know. Uh, Thanks for taking the time, Eric. Enjoy the uh, weekend. All right, you too. All right. Be sure to catch live editions of The Herd weekdays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. Uh, Alex, I made the mistake of going on social media. I thought you don't do that when you're hosting. I don't, but uh, I got all these text messages from friends and family. um, And these Giants fans are upset. You always talk about the Jets. Well, here's another Jets segment, everybody. Just one more. (laughs) All right, so they got announced that they're going to be on Hard Knocks. I was, you know unhappy with the move what? but i get it i get it. i don't want i don't need they don't need the drama eric mangini said it who needs this drama the camera's everywhere however there were reports prior to the announcement that aaron Rodgers was very unhappy he didn't want to be on it not so fast my friend here's aaron Rodgers talking at the america century championship up in tahoe about hard knocks one of the only things i like about hard knocks is the voice of God who narrates it. <laughs> right. Live. I hope I get to meet him. But look, you know, I understand the, the appeal with us. Obviously, there's a lot of eyes on me, a lot of eyes on our team, a lot of expectations for our squad. So uh, they forced it down our throats, and we got to deal with it. So I came in this morning to the morning meeting all prepared for Aaron Rodgers. Jeez, this is so bad. Like four good reasons why this is bad. And then I see this video. I'm like, wait a minute. Hold the phone. What if, and Rogers looked very clear, clear eyed there. He just looked like a guy who's like, no big deal. Ain't no thing. You know, he just looked, now we know Aaron likes the pharmaceuticals. Maybe something was going on, but it's possible that Aaron Rodgers is like, you know what? Guys, my legacy is cemented. I got a Super Bowl. I got MVPs. I just wanted to get out of Green Bay. I'm going to come to the Jets. We're going to have some fun. If it doesn't work, bummer. If it works, awesome. And I wonder if something about Aaron is like getting out of Green Bay and moving on is just kind of almost therapeutic for him. And he he looks and sounds like a different person. I'll say this. So you guys know I like to play tennis. So instead of signing up for the singles tennis tournament, I signed up for doubles with a buddy. I had literally never played doubles tennis in my life. Not once. And I played this week. And me and my partner, we got slaughtered by a couple friends, a couple ladies actually who play doubles a lot. They're good. And like midway through the first set, we're getting crushed. And I'm like, this is, this is exciting. I've never done this before. I feel like I'm like playing a new instrument or something. Just all, everything about it was new and fun, even though we were losing. So I wonder if part of Rogers is like, you know what? Just not being in Green Bay is exciting and new and fresh. And I'm going to have fun with it. And... Uh, Kevin Clark, who comes on this show, came on my podcast this week and said, Jason, just remember the last time the Jets were on hard knocks, they went to the AFC Championship game. That was, of course, Rex Ryan cursing up a storm, and like it was drama-filled and exciting. Um, I, I, there is a world where 
this is not that worrisome for me as a Jets fan. I know, Jason, you're just so optimistic. You're wearing green underwear for the Jets. All the, what's his name? Uh, the Buffalo Bills lineman, Deion Dawkins, came on asking if I have a Jets tattoo. Like, I like the team. But I, my life is not going to hinge on whether or not, you know, they, they win or lose games. It'll be disappointing. Yeah, but guess what? Life goes on. Um, and let's be real about this. Yes, um, there will be some moments in hard knocks where Aaron Rodgers maybe side-eyes a coach or a receiver drops a pass and you see Rodgers kind of roll his eyes. That stuff's going to happen, but it's going to be broken down in granular fashion. 50 websites, 50 social media accounts. It's going to be it. We're going to talk about it on this show. Hard Knocks is Tuesday night. I haven't watched it in a couple years because it's just not that relevant. Um, I'm almost certain we will have a Hard Knocks discussion every Wednesday because it's Aaron Rodgers, it's the Jets, it's the New York media. The spotlight is big and going to be glaring. I, I'm starting to come around on it not being that big of a deal, but I guess in the macro sense, one pretty cool thing is – the big winner in this is us, the fans. Um, as Colin articulated, Netflix has a new series about quarterbacks. And Amazon Prime had a series about the Arizona Cardinals. So the streaming companies are now getting into the NFL. And Hard Knocks basically has to step up their game. You know, they couldn't just trot out a crappy team that's got like a five and a half win total that nobody cares about. They now... Like, I don't want to say they've mailed in hard knocks for the last couple of years, but the reality is it hasn't been that compelling. I don't know, Alex. Do you even remember who was on hard knocks last year? I, I don't know the answer to that. Ryan, maybe you know. Was it the Detroit Lions? Okay, it was the Detroit Lions. Like, they, did you watch last year? Uh,. I think I watched like the first two episodes. I mean, but this is going to be must-watch TV. Right. I mean, this is this is gold. Everyone has their thoughts and opinions on Aaron Rodgers, yeah. right? We only get the outside perspective. This is the first time we're really going to get a behind-the-scenes look as who he is as a person, who Rodgers is as a teammate, who he is as a leader, how he prepares. I think this could actually be great for his brand because no one really knows the real Aaron Rodgers. Pull back the curtain and, and yeah. really see... Because we've heard we've heard his teammates talk about how how great of a teammate he yeah. is, how great of a leader he is, and now the world will kind of get that behind the scenes perspective, opposed to just all these outside opinions of seeing that yeah he lives a different yeah. life, he lives an out there life. Which I'm a, a no judgment human in that sense. I'm like go live your life, whatever works best for you. That's incredible. So I I, I think this is could be great for Rogers brand. And then it's great for us because this is yeah. the biggest headline. Content. It's the biggest yeah. headline of the NFL season, new team, MVP, Aaron Rodgers, And now we're going to get to talk about it every week. It's interesting. You say we don't know a lot about him. So I'll never forget uh, Fox. Um, you know, they've got things that they can set us up with. And I had to fly to New York to yeah. host a panel, um, some wireless cell phone or one of those deals. And, and I was set up with a former Packers tight end. Yeah. I won't say his name, but it's not that hard to look him up. And in between, in like the green room, I'm asking him questions, trying to learn about the, and I was like, oh yeah, how was Rodgers? And he's like, that guy was the biggest jerk ever. You know, I came in as a rookie mm. and he would not look at me. Like we would walk past each other in the hallways, wouldn't even make eye contact, wouldn't say a word. I was like, geez, what's that about? He's like, dude, it got so weird. I had to go to the coaches and be like, does Aaron Rodgers not like me? I'm a rookie, new guy on this team. He won't look at me. He won't talk to me. They had to broker peace, so Rodgers sat down with this tight end in a room in Green Bay and, like, got on the same page. Now, 
are people going to watch Hard Knocks and be like, ooh, Aaron Rodgers, do you, he's not really talking to people. Or is he going to ham it up and be super friendly and the jokester? And like, I, don't, I, I, I literally don't know. I'm kind of interested to see what it's about because this is – Maybe his swan song. This is his. This is his career. This is his life. I, I think we're going to get a, a good glimpse of who he actually is because he has to prepare with a new team, yeah. a new coach, a new offense, a, a new div- like everything. Everything is new for the first time in his his career. Yeah. So this is. I, I again, I said it before. I think this is a gift. I think this is gold. This is TV gold, sports gold. Yeah. Um, I'm optimistic to getting to know who Aaron Rodgers is. I don't know if you've seen the quarterback Netflix thing. I saw the first, like half of the first episode I watched last night, and it's so good. It's pretty good. It's insane. I mean, also, like, they lucked out getting Patrick Mahomes during his Super Bowl season. Like, that was insane. So the Patrick Mahomes thing that I'm sure you guys have seen on social media is where Crosby of the Raiders is doing a little bit of trash talking. Not much. Yeah. Mahomes... They were up 17, uh, Raiders were up 17, yeah. Mahomes just torches him and starts saying, you know, you a lot of F-bombs and it's pretty like, wow, Mahomes, Mahomes cursing at him, going up in his face. I'm like, I like Pat Mahomes even more now. Right? Like, so He's I don't know that Rodgers is going to be that fired up about his own teammates. But maybe he's going to be demanding. Maybe he's going to be like, guys, see, cut this out. Like, we got a lot of young guys. No, yeah. We and that's why, create- even if you hate the Jets or you're sick of me talking about the Jets, listen, Alex, there's a world yeah. where they're two and six out of the gate and it's over. It's done. Ugh. They're not coming back from two and six. And we'll just, you know, we'll move on to another team. Like, I don't know, the Browns uh, or, or, or the or Cowards Chargers. You know, that's what happens. <laughs> it's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff. Are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddy? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddy on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people, it gives me a lot of hope. If you liked Locatora before, you're going to love Season 9. Subscribe to our show and you'll see why Locatora is your prima's favorite podcast. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers.